LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Before we jump into Ask Me Anything for today, I want to tell you about a company named Belay. You know, no matter how many people that you have on staff at your church, whether there's a few or a lot, there's only so much that you can accomplish in a day, right? Your church exists to serve your community. So the mission of your church and its staff is to reach as many people as you can. That's why productivity is not just a, a business practice. It's essential. It's essential in, in being the best steward of your time that you can be and to use the most of your church's resources in being successful in the things God has called you to. Thankfully, our friends at Belay know this really well. Belay, an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years of experience serving churches, has successfully matched thousands of organizations with part-time virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media strategists. You, you thought, you know, I, I need somebody, but just not, not, not for the whole time. Well, they're your partner for this. That's why they're offering our listeners a free download of their resource, Church Leaders, Essential Strategies to Unleash Productivity. Let Belay help your church live its mission in your community by helping you juggle less and accomplish more. Just go to Belay, that's B-E-L-A-Y, solutions.com slash Lifeway for your free download. And now I hope you enjoy Ask Me Anything. Welcome, everybody, to Ask Me Anything. I'm Matt Love. I'm not here with J.D. Greer because we're not, I'm not asking them the questions today. Uh, we are actually the last uh, episode of a special series with Rebecca McLaughlin, who's been answering questions with, with Pastor J.D. the last few weeks. Rebecca is the author of Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. Um, she also wrote 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity. And she just released The Secular Creed, Engaging Five Contemporary Claims. All great books. You should check them out. Um, do, the, do the classic Amazon. If you bought this, you should also buy this three-pack. This, this uh, episode was originally recorded as a long-form conversation, like we've said, but we've split it up into four question and answer segments. So today, Pastor J.D. and Rebecca are spending a few minutes talking about the topics of her newest book, uh, The Secular Creed. Um, we've all seen the yard signs our neighbors have made that, that make broad sweeping statements that leave us with only all or nothing belief options. Things like love is love and gay rights are civil rights, when the real truth is just a bit more complicated. And Rebecca is really helpful in disentangling the beliefs Christians gladly affirm from those they cannot embrace. But that's not all. They will also turn the table completely to end their conversation by talking about personal suffering. Because when we're talking about defending and understanding our faith, Suffering is still the primary objection people have to Christianity. So this is going to be a really helpful episode. Go ahead and take a listen. Confronting Christianity is the first book mm. that I read of yours. And um, I'm not just saying this because I'm sitting here with you, but one of the best and I think most important books in our generation on faithful Christian witness. But you in there, you know, in that and, and this new book you have coming out that kind of takes apart those yard signs, mm. if I could just write. I mean, you, don't you take several phrases showing yeah. that that really the gospel is the answer to the yearnings that we have for justice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we're looking for um, the lifting up of, of women, we look to the gospel. If we're looking for the best declaration of why you know every single kind of life matters, because it's made in the image of God, it's, it's the gospel. If you're 
right? I mean, you, anything you want to say about that that new book? Because I'm super excited about it coming out too. Yeah, I mean, people often think that even if our moral beliefs today were originally grounded in Christianity, that it's a little bit like, you know, when you're playing Jenga and you, you, you pull that little block out, you carefully sort of inch that block out from the bottom and then you can build a higher tower. People think that you can sort of just, let's like pull Jesus out and then we'll make a, a taller sort of secular mm. moral tower. Actually, if we pull Christianity out, it's more like pulling the pin on a grenade. The whole thing goes up in smoke. Uh, there's a, an atheist um, Israeli historian called Yuval Noah Harari. He wrote this global bestseller called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. And one of the things he's clear about in that book is that Christianity is the reason we think that human beings are equally morally valuable. Um, he says, when you look at something like human rights, that is a figment of our fertile imaginations. He says that, that homo sapiens have no natural rights, just as chimpanzees, hyenas, hyenas and spiders have no natural rights. So, so when you come to the sign, the line on the sign that says women's rights are human rights, well, actually, there's no such thing as human rights if we pull the ideas that Christianity has given us out from underneath the, the edifice. We, we don't know that humans are made in the image of God anymore. We don't know that women are equal in, in value to men. That, that wasn't a self-evident truth in the world into which Christianity was born. And then when we get to the, the last claim that I look at in the book, which is that, that transgender women are women, we find that actually, if that statement is true, if somebody who is a, a biological male but identifies as a woman is as much of a woman as I am, we actually don't know what a woman is. We have completely removed the essential definition of a woman from the term, and all we're really left with is stereotypes. So it, it's, it's fascinating to me the ways in which, especially the transgender thinking today, is actually undermining Many of the things that even are, um, you know, perhaps you have sort of secular feminist friends um, or, or even traditional gay and lesbian friends who, who would see some of the things that are being said by transgender activists today as actually quite undermining of, of things that, that they've held on to and, and worked to build up. And certainly um, from a Christian perspective, we need to recognize the ways in which some of the current conversations are um, kind of turning back on themselves. And so I think it's going to be very interesting in the coming years to see how these conversations play out even amongst our, our secular friends and, right. and how we as Christians can speak helpfully into that. So when I first got into ministry, um, when, it come, when it came to defending the faith, it was sort of known that the number one objection that people had to Christianity, the number one reason that they left the faith had to do with personal suffering. Mm. Do you still feel like that's a, a major issue, one of the primary ones? Yeah, I, I think it's a huge issue. And I think one of the, the mistakes that we often make as as Christians, whether we're, we're leaders or, or folks in the congregation, is to act like Christianity is primarily for shiny, happy people whose lives are going well. And really, you know, come put your trust in Jesus, everything's going to be great. In fact, if we open our Bibles, we find that pretty much every page of the scriptures is written by suffering people and for suffering people. Like maybe with the exception of the Song of Songs, which is kind of a slightly different thing going on there. And right at the heart of the Christian faith, we see the innocent suffering of a man who is, who is brutalized, tortured, rejected by his friends, uh, abandoned by those closest to him, beaten and abused. Suffering isn't this embarrassment, this, this wrecking ball to come and knock down the Christian faith. It's actually woven into the very heart of what we believe. And I think as we speak in church and as, as we encourage brothers and sisters, 
we need to speak primarily to suffering people and everyone else can listen in. I think often we do it the other way around. We speak to the shiny, happy people. And, you know, maybe one day you'll, you'll experience suffering, we say. Actually, let's, let's speak to the suffering people because like so the norm, often, it's the default. Almost. Yeah, so often Jesus is, is speaking to the suffering people and gravitating towards the suffering people and meeting people in their suffering. Um, I, I love that chapter in, in John's gospel when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, not just because he does that wonderful miracle, but actually because of the conversation that he has with Lazarus's sister, Martha, beforehand, after he's deliberately not come in time to save Lazarus. He intentionally, because he loves them, and it says that in the text, because he loves them, he doesn't come. He lets Lazarus die. And then he goes and has that conversation with Martha, where he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's saying, your, your biggest problem is not that your brother has died. Your biggest need is not for me to raise Lazarus from the dead. Your biggest need is me. And it's in times of suffering that we can see that most clearly and we can meet with Jesus most intensely. And so I, I think God doesn't waste our suffering. I think he meets us in it. I heard a guy say one time that back in the 80s, that really when he came to defending the faith, the questions that we all dealt with was, is Christianity true? What, what's the evidence that demands a verdict? What, 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 what's the proof that Jesus rose from the dead? The next kind of era was this, this burden in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s of showing that Christianity was useful, that it worked, that it gave you purpose, that it gave you fulfillment. Um, more recently, uh, a lot of the, when it comes to defending the faith, the questions are, is Christianity just? Does mm -hmm. it promote justice? Mm -hmm. And even a little bit what, uh, of what you're getting at, is it beautiful? And one of the things that in both confronting Christianity and the new book that I had the privilege of, of reading an advanced copy of, The Secular Creed, is that it showed that, that Christianity is not only just true, it's also the answer to our longings for justice and beauty and meaning and purpose. Yeah, yeah. And so I just want to, um, I want to thank you, Rebecca, because I, I know that, you know, I was telling you this earlier, that God wrote the Apostle Paul's story in a very specific way so that he could could speak truth into the church of his generation at a particular time. Mm. And I know you didn't have a Damascus Road experience per se, but when I, when I read your story and I read the, the struggles that God has allowed you to go through and the opportunities you have, you know, it is just very clear that God has raised you up as not just a witness to our generation, but somebody that is supposed to teach a lot of us how we can relate and engage with our culture and showing that the gospel is not just true, it's the answer for our longings mm. for meaning and purpose and fulfillment and beauty and justice. And so thank you. I hope that we will have a long um, relationship with you. And uh, we're praying for you that God will, as you go onto these college campuses and you're, you're testifying to Jesus, that he will strengthen you. So thank you for the time just to, in blessing us. And I would encourage you. I'm not saying this because she's sitting here, but when it comes to what you could do over the summer, if you were to pick up Confronting Christianity and the Secular Creed, uh, there are a few things that you could read that would that would enrich you and strengthen you more, not just in telling people about Jesus, but also in understanding who Jesus is and what the gospel really says. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Ultimately, this entire series with Rebecca has been about defending and understanding our faith in this current culture. So if you missed any of the previous three episodes with Rebecca, go back and listen to them now. They're all excellent. And if you just want another podcast to listen to, check out the Five Leadership Questions podcast hosted by 
Todd Atkins and Chandler Vanoy. They're a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network family. They've recently interviewed John Mark Comer, John and Dave Ferguson, Tony Evans, and many, many more. Just look up five leadership questions on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you visit jdgreer.com for more resources from Pastor JD. Um, we always have a helpful free download on the homepage. And while you're at the on that website, you can sign up for our email list to get ministry updates, information about new resources, and Pastor JD's latest blog post delivered straight to your inbox. It's a great way to stay connected with Ask Me Anything and with JD's ministry. So sign up when you go to jdgreer.com. That's it, and we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything.